Welcome to the neighborhood. My name is Michael Lacey, husband, father, and host of the Wealthy Neighbor Show, where every week we bring you an amazing interview or message to inspire you as you build wealth for your family. Thanks for stopping by the neighborhood. Now let's jump right in with today's message. Welcome back to the neighborhood. This is episode three and stopping by today all the way from North Carolina is Bernadette Joy. Bernadette, along with her husband, AJ, paid off $300,000 in just three short years. Talk about incredible. I really love debt-free stories because for me, I mean, I just firmly believe that they are the beginning of what could be an amazing financial legacy for every single family, including yours. Plus, I also remember when my wife and I were paying off our debt, we didn't really know of any places or people for that matter to connect with that would keep us inspired and moving forward. And I can assure you that Bernadette's story is one of inspiration and hope. So let's jump in. But before we get into how you paid off your debt, I have to ask, how in the world, Bernadette, did you find yourself $300,000 in debt in the first place? So yes, I asked myself that question a couple of years ago as well. And it felt like it was overnight. But essentially, I tell people that I ended up in that debt because I didn't want people to think I was a loser. And that's as honest as I can be about it. And what I mean by that is I made a lot of decisions based off of what I was afraid other people would say or think. And that really stemmed from uh, when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina a couple of years ago. I am originally from New York City. I married a guy from South Carolina and we moved here kind of on a whim. We moved here because I needed a change of scenery. I'd come here on a business trip one day and saw that it was clean and people were friendly. (laughs) And I was like, this sounds like a good place to live. And so we made the move here and I was fortunate enough to get a um, head of HR job, which is the quote unquote dream job if you're in HR to be the head of an HR department. Long story short, that job was not the dream job that I thought it was going to be. And I remember thinking like, wow, I spent you know the last couple of years of my career moving up into trying to get this kind of job and now I'm in it and I don't like it. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And I'm like 20 something at the time. So I did what a lot of 20 something year olds do is if I don't know what I want to do in my career, I went back to school to get my MBA and it was very expensive. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is where the first part of the debt came from. So student loans, just like many other people, are, are probably challenged with. And at the same time, because I had moved from New York City, I had always lived in like apartments and I grew up in a townhouse. And I spent so much time watching HGTV and watching all these people in these television shows with these ginormous houses down south. And I was like, well, I want one of those too. And not only that, I want to be like Joanna and Chip from Fixer Upper where I can like rehab houses and do all that stuff. And so my husband and I not only bought one house, we bought two houses at the same time. So the $300,000 was two mortgages and student loans. And we had gone from having zero debt before that, like the year before that. So it was pretty fast. Okay. So let's talk about that because you went from zero to 60 really fast. And so what was that moment like when you actually woke up and were like, oh my gosh, what have I done? It sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It was, uh, 
I actually remember the moment very clearly. It was um, January of 2016. I was in my last semester of my MBA program. I had 10 weeks to go. I was like getting that fever where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so close to graduation. And I had no idea how much in student loans I had taken out. I knew about the mortgages because obviously we had signed off on those, but I thought those were normal. Like I thought like, oh yeah, we're actually pretty successful because a lot of my friends don't own houses and we own a house and we also have a rental house now. Look at us, like we're so cool. And then I looked at, I remember thinking like, let me check out the student loan situation and see what's going on here since I'll be graduating soon. And I had no idea it was like $70,000 in student loans. And I was thinking, wow, I've been paying some stuff along the way. I thought I was paying more towards it. And also I did not realize this degree was that expensive because they don't tell you that upfront. And I think my face went super pale. I like just sat on the floor of my office and just like cried. (laughs) I cried because I had no idea that I had done that. Yeah, you talked about the whole school process and not really knowing what you signed up for or anything like that. So do you feel like there's anything that maybe you could have done differently in terms of the process of signing up and going back to school that could have alleviated some of that? Oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. One is I should have done the math to actually figure out how much it would have cost because like so many other goods and services, right? Um, normally, like for example, if you go buy a car, you are going to know how much the car is before you go buy it. But for some reason, that's not the way it is with higher ed for undergrad and grad school, but you're sold this idea that, oh yeah, you know, come to our prestigious top 10 business school and you're kind of guaranteed a successful future. So in hindsight, one, I had, I wish I had kind of been more thoughtful about like, okay, why am I going back to school? Am I going back to school? Cause there's something very specific that I want to learn. And at the time the answer was no. I mean, the answer was like, I just didn't know what else to do next. And that seemed like an answer going back to why, how I got this in the first place is because I didn't want to have to explain to people, like, I don't know what I want to do with my career. I don't know what's next for me. So going to school kind of felt like a way to answer people that seemed like I wasn't lost, if that makes sense. Um, makes total sense. So if I wish I had explored that a little bit more, maybe I still would have gone the MBA, but I probably would have explored other options too. And in hindsight, I ended up pursuing entrepreneurship. And there were so many other ways I can learn about entrepreneurship than a six-figure MBA program. And But I didn't know that back then. And I think the other piece that would have been super helpful is to just plan those payments accordingly. And if I had known that I was eating up that much in tuition and also how fast it was accruing interest, and that's the other piece, like I assumed that they always say, oh, you have this grace period before you pay back your student loans. For some reason, I assume that meant that, oh, the interest also doesn't accrue (laughs) while you're in school. And so I was super shocked when I saw that whole amount. And, you know, of the 70,000 or 70 plus thousand, like at least 7,000 of it was just interest alone. And I was like, wait a minute. I I thought I had a grace period. Like, no, you don't. I mean, you do have a grace period. You don't have to pay it back then, but it doesn't stop it from accruing interest. And if I had known that, I would have probably been more thoughtful about the payments of it. And I probably would have extended out the time I was in school so that I could spread out the payments over time instead of condensing it to such a short period. So you're staring at $300,000 in debt that you've accumulated in like a year. What was your income around that time? So I quit my six-figure job. And luckily, while I was in school, I had an old contact in New York that allowed me to work kind of part-time as a recruiter working from home. And my base salary for that went from my original salary was $100,000. I went down to $30,000. And that was during school. And then my husband, he was making like in the 90s. 
So we still had a, you know, we still had a decent income. So that was a good thing was that we knew that we're also not super extravagant that we could live off of one income while I was in school. And that at least that was a choice that we made that we were careful about. Gotcha. So you've got a decent income. You've got $300,000 in debt. And so what were some of those first steps that you took when you finally said, okay, we're going to get rid of this thing? So the first step was crying. <laughs> it's <was> like <laughs> letting all letting all the emotions out and you know, what are they saying? Like, you know, other programs, like you have to realize that you have a problem first. Like that's the first step. And it was interesting because I came to my husband with this and I said, I had no idea I can't, we had this much in the student loans that I took out and I feel like I can't breathe about it. And my husband's response was like, what, what are you concerned about? What's the big deal? Like everyone we know has student loans. Everyone we know has mortgages, like it's not a big deal. It's not like it's credit card debt or something else, right? And so he wasn't concerned about it at all because he thought it was normal. But I had never had debt before that and he didn't either, but I did not want that hanging over my head for the next 10 years. The normal repayment plan for a student loan is like 10 years. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I will not have this hanging over my head for 10 years. That sounds terrible. So the first step that I took was just went kind of Google crazy, went online and searched everything I could about paying off student loans and tips on how to refinance or what do you do about interest? And and then also just rereading all of that paperwork that I just signed without looking at three years before that and just educating myself also had the excuse. And I, I said it to myself, I was like, you know what, no one taught me about this. My, even though my get this, my dad was an accountant, my mom was an accountant, my brother is an accountant, like all of them are accounting and finance professionals, yet I never learned anything about money growing up. And I used that for an excuse for a little bit. I was like, you know what, no one taught me about this. Like, how was I supposed to know? And then after I started Googling stuff, I was like, you know what, like, I can't keep using it as, as an excuse. There's so much stuff available on the internet. There's so many cool people like you doing podcasts that are sharing this information. There's no reason that I can't teach this to myself. So that's what I did. I started researching, listening to every podcast available. Uh, Dave Ramsey was ca- kind of like going on in my house like 24-7. My poor husband had to listen to that voice like all the time. <laughs> and yeah, and just, and just learning about it and then getting really fired up about it. And uh, once I felt like, okay, I've gotten a lot of information, then I started making taking some action and started making really big adjustments in our life and started making serious payments towards the student loan. Hey, neighbor, we'll be back with more from Bernadette after this quick message from one of our sponsors. Did you know less than 5% of the people who buy life insurance get the right coverage? Life insurance is something we all need to think about, but it's also something we don't get excited to shop around for. And I get it. Figuring out how much you need, when to get it, and what you need it for has usually been difficult and complicated. That is, until everyday life transformed the way life insurance is purchased. Everyday Life is a new online insurance concierge created by fintech experts who got frustrated buying their insurance and took action. Here's how it works. Fill out their free, easy, anonymous questionnaire in under three minutes, and you'll get advice and pricing for your personalized coverage plan that will automatically adjust as your needs change. With more coverage now when your family needs it most and less down the road when you won't need as much, Everyday Life can save you money both now and in the future. Check out Everyday Life for your free personalized plan at elifelabs.com slash winning to wealth. That's elifelabs.com slash winning to wealth. 
So your story kind of parallels mine in the sense that for me, we went into debt for very similar reasons, albeit different. You know, you went mortgage student loan, but I didn't want to feel like a loser. So I was doing like cars and credit cards, like all the worst debt. Mm -hmm. And so once my wife and I had the conversation, she was kind of like, eh, yeah, it's not that good, but oh, well. And I was kind of like you in the sense that I was like, no, this has got to go. I want to be done with this. I don't like the way this feels, any of it. And so- the first month was kind of me trying to like drag her onto the plan and like pull her forward. And she was resisting and resisting. But ultimately she came around and we paid off all of our debt. And so I want to know what was that moment or, or what finally helped your husband get on board with paying off the debt? So he was on board with it in theory <laughs> in the beginning and he was super helpful. I mean, there's a lot of things that I made changes too. So we did the whole thing like go down to a thousand dollar emergency fund and we had some a little bit of savings. So we took anything that we had in savings and put it towards that, which was scary. And I had to convince him to do that because we were used to having maybe like 10 grand in like an emergency fund and going down to a thousand was not fun, especially when we had two mortgages, right? We had two houses that could potentially like <laughs> collapse at, at any moment. But I remember kind of distinctly that I, I cut up all my credit cards. And even though we didn't have credit card debt, I realized that I was still spending the same way that I did before with the credit card. So I had cut mine all up. And my husband said that he had stopped using them also, but he had put them away. And we were talking about potentially going on a trip for my best friend's wedding. Like that was something, even though we cut out a lot of other things, like I couldn't miss my best friend's wedding and it happened to be in Mexico. And my husband slipped that he said, oh yeah, like it's on the credit card for the points or something. I'm like, and I said, wait, hold on. What do you mean it's on the credit card? And he was like, oh, Oh, yeah, I used the credit card to like book the trip. And I was just like, wait, I thought we had agreed that we weren't going to use credit cards if we had the cash for it. And that led into a whole discussion. <laughs> and I tell people that because a lot of people assume they see us now and they always think that we've always been on the same page, but it was a process and it took a long time. And so that conversation, I basically told him like, you know, it made me really upset. Not the fact that he put it on the credit card, but the fact that he didn't tell me that. And that I had been also walking around telling people that I'd cut up my credit cards. And then my husband was using a credit card unbeknownst to me. So when he saw how upset that made me and the sense of like, oh, wow, like I understand, like this is, this is how important it is to her. Like she's not kidding around anymore because to be honest, like if you've met, if you met me there, I run around with a lot of ideas <laughs> and I always have like something that I'm like obsessed with. And so I think he, he honestly probably thought it was just like a phase like, oh yeah, she's upset about it now. Like she's talking about paying up the debt, but she's not, maybe she's not super serious about it. But when he saw how, how like very clear I was about like, I'm not using credit cards, like not only not for now, but like not ever. Then he was like, okay, she's really serious about this. Like we're talking about a serious life change here. And that was like a turning point for our debt free journey. I know for me, even though I was the one who kind of brought this on and I was kind of spearheading this thing for, for our family, there were times where I got frustrated or I felt overwhelmed. And I'm so glad that my wife finally came around because in those times she was able to keep me motivated. And in the same vein, when she was having those feelings, I was able to keep her motivated. So how did you guys manage to keep each other motivated? Because I mean, $300,000, is that's not just a piece of chump change. So how did you keep each other motivated throughout that process? 
Well, we first started out with just the student loan debt. And to be honest, the original plan was just the student loan debt. We were just going to pay off the mortgages the regular way, you know, the 30-year mortgage. And during the time that we were paying the student loan debt, honestly, one of the biggest things that kept me motivated was because I felt like the more that I could put effort towards this and kind of make bigger payments and do anything I could, the sooner it would be over. <laughs> I don't know if, you, if you're like that, but I was just like, you know what? Anything I can do right now means it's like one less month that I'm going to have to deal with this. So I graduated in April of 2016 and it was done by November of the same year. So in the grand scheme, it wasn't that long for 70,000 and people were pretty shocked by that. But we had made some pretty drastic changes. I mean, like cut out anything and everything for that time period. I had to tell people like, no, I'm not going on vacations with you. Like, no, we're not going out to meet you for dinner and stuff. I sold anything that wasn't like nailed to the ground (laughs) at my house, like anything I could do. So I was hyper motivated, which I tend to be when I have something that I'm really excited about. But on that flip side, like you said, I also am the type of person like I can be really hyper motivated and I can also get really overwhelmed and really down in the dumps if it's not going that way. And so I think that is where AJ and I are a good balance because he, if you ever meet him, he is the most even keeled person. There's a running joke in our family that he's like almost a robot because nothing phases him. So when he would see me like doing all this crazy stuff, like selling a bunch of stuff, he would just let it happen. But then on the flip side, (laughs) if I was really down in the dumps and I was like, wow, we made all this progress. And I remember there's kind of a plateau where I was able to pay off like a huge amount out. And then we ran out of stuff to sell and we ran out of things to cut. And it was just a matter of, you know, riding it out. And he was the one who had to kind of sit me down and talk me through and and constantly remind me like, look how much we've already done. You're always looking ahead at that goal and seeing that the goal isn't accomplished, but you're never looking back and seeing what's been done so far and celebrating that. And so he was always reminding me like, okay, yeah, we we haven't paid all 70,000, but we paid 35 up until now. Like that's still pretty awesome. A lot of people don't do that in a year. So give yourself some grace. And um, so he's always been the voice of reason in that way. And I appreciate it. Wow. I mean, that's awesome. And it shows just the power of teamwork and accountability to each other to be able to push each other at the right times. And so another question that I want to ask is because you guys paid off that 70,000, it's such a blistering pace. What was probably the most unconventional thing in your mind that you guys did to help you have such great momentum? Great question. I think it was probably just unconventional in the sense of how many hustles we had going on (laughs) in order to do that. So we both had our day jobs still. Um, I started a business that ended up becoming my full-time job for the last couple of years, renting out dresses for special occasions. He was driving Uber. We both were extras on television shows here in Charlotte. So if you ever watched Homeland or Banshee or something, like you might see AJ like or me in the background (laughs) somewhere. On the weekends, I would take side gigs, like helping out friends with their businesses. So like catering, anything that I could make money at, I would go and do. And why I think that I say that's unconventional is because to be honest, it goes back to this idea of let's, I don't want to be a loser was, you know, I grew up in a very white collar family and all of my friends you know, that I grew up with were middle-class white collar as well. And if I had still been living in New York and like caring what everybody thought, I would have been a little bit embarrassed to say like, oh yeah, I went to go help do a catering job this weekend, or I helped to go work this party or, or do these hourly jobs or whatever. But at the time I was like, you know what? I really don't care what anyone thinks. And I have the time that is one resource that I do have right now that can help me pay off the 
this debt. And so I will use that to the best of my ability. And people would ask, when do you guys sleep? Do you guys, <laughs> like you guys are always working, doing something. And again, if it had been two years or three years doing that, I could see where we would have gotten burned out. But because we could see the light at the end of the tunnel and it was going to be a lot shorter time period, we were willing to put in that effort for a couple of months. So you went through and you paid off your student loans in a few short months. And so then you had mentioned that it wasn't the original plan to to tackle the mortgages. So when did that come about, that, mm-hmm. that desire? Um, so the original plan for the student loans was to pay it off in two years. And my thought was, okay, it's about 70 grand. So it's about $35,000 per year. So about $3,000 per month, we can do it in two years feasibly. And, you know, just mathematically working out if we just lived off of one salary and took everything else and threw it at the debt, we'd be able to do that. I wasn't anticipating that we were going to finish it that much quicker. And so when we did finish it, I was like, shocked, to be honest, because I was expecting to ride that out a lot longer. And I still had the energy to pay off more stuff. And so I was like, well, if we were able to pay the $70,000 in student loans, we had about at that time, about $57,000 towards the first mortgage. I was like, well, if we were able to do that in this amount of time, maybe we can pay off that first mortgage next year. And um, so we decided to do that. That was, that took us, you know, the, the whole next year to pay up the 57,000. And then we started working towards our mortgage. And by that time, I was like, you know, I was already fired up. I was like, I really want no debt in my life. And I know that it's feasible for us to do. And even if we have to pay it off in five or 10 years instead of our 30 year mortgage, that would like the thought of having to pay off this house for 30 years just didn't sit well with me. So 2016, we paid off the student loan. 2017, we paid off the first mortgage. 2018, we paid $36,000 towards our mortgage. And it just happened to turn out that we, for a lot of reasons, had decided we wanted to have some more changes in our life. We realized that this house that we're in right now, we bought, again, because I didn't want people to think I was a loser. So I bought a house that was way bigger than we really needed. And that we also were looking at maybe one day we're not going to be in Charlotte anymore. We might want to move somewhere else. So we wanted to start reacclimating our life that we could be mobile if we really wanted to. But the things that were holding us here is this house, the other house, and my business. And so this year in January, we started thinking about like, what would our life look like in the next couple of years? And it may or may not be here in Charlotte, but what can we do to make it easier if we have to make that transition? And it worked out that a family member of ours was looking for a place to buy. And we ended up being able to sell the rental property, which was now debt free, and also had appreciated in value over the last couple of years, we were able to take the rental property, sell it, and then take the proceeds of the rental property and pay off the balance of our house, which wasn't part of the original plan. We were like, we would be okay with paying it off in four more years. But we ended up paying it off in April of this year. And so we've been debt free since then. I got excited hearing that. So let me ask this question. Did you guys do anything to celebrate? Because, I mean, you paid off $300,000 in like three years. I mean, surely you guys did something big to, to celebrate this milestone. We did go to Italy for a week and that was our first vacation in the three years. And it was wonderful because we paid for it in cash. We didn't have any... um any worries? We actually like splurged as much as we could while we were there because it was the first time we could do that in a long time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. So looking back on the journey now, because you paid off so much in three years, is there anything you look back on now and say, oh, I, I wish maybe we had done this a little bit different? Like maybe we didn't go as fast. Maybe we went a little faster. I made this decision sooner. If I had to go back and look at it, I think there was a couple of things that I would do differently and mainly just around our family. So 
and may, I don't know, maybe you've experienced this is not everyone is on a debt free journey, right? Not everyone gets what you're doing. And there was some friction that I think it caused. And I, I like to tell people this because it's not all roses all the time. Um, and it did take some sacrifice. So I had, we had to have some tough conversations with family and friends about things that we couldn't do or expectations they had of us because on the outside, you know, we would get comments like, well, you and AJ both make good money and you have your business now. Like, oh, we're going to take a family trip to Disney World. And me and AJ are like, oh, we can't go. <laughs> and they don't understand why, right? Because they're like, it, you have money. And, it, and we had to blatantly say like, we're trying to pay off debt. And saying this to, again, two family members who also had student loan debt. And they're like, you know, we're going or we want to go. It's okay for you to do it too. And, and Again, there's no judgment on what other people are doing, but a lot of people I think took what we were doing and if they weren't doing the same thing as judgment on what they were doing. Meaning like I was trying to pay off my student loans so I wasn't going to Disney World. I'm not trying to stop you from going to Disney World even though you have student loans. Like you got to do what's right for you, right? But that conversation with family was really tough. And in hindsight, I wish that I <laughs> I knew how to navigate those conversations better, but you know, now I do and now that we're completely debt-free, like our family gets it now but it took us getting here for them to realize like why we were doing it in the first place. So we kind of went through something similar. I mean, my family didn't travel a lot or anything, but we said no to dinners and and things like that. So how would you navigate a conversation like that being on a debt-free journey now? To be honest, I think I was arrogant about it. I think that I was so excited and motivated about it that in my head, I was thinking, why wouldn't anyone else want to do this? It's making me so happy and it's making me feel so much less stressed. Like I want that for the people that I love. So my assumption was like, you know what? The best thing I can do for them is teach them how to do the same thing that I'm doing and and get them to do it also. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> that was, that was uh, presumptuous. That wasn't what they were asking for. And you can only help someone if they want the help in the first place. So I think the conversations that I've had now, which has been completely different is one, just offering the the help if it's asked for instead of like unsolicited and also telling people, and I'm very careful about this now is that I always tell people like, this is my story. This is AJ's story. Like this is how we did it, but it's not the same thing for everyone, right? Like everyone has different circumstances and There's a lot of assumptions that people also make about why we were able to do it. And some of them are right and some of them are not. And so I try not to make those same assumptions of people. And so I simply have those conversations now where I just leave it open to them to ask me the questions and I can answer them versus assuming what questions they have in the first place. And that's worked so much better. Yeah, I can totally see that. Like I said, we've we've had to have uncomfortable conversations with family as well. And again, some of it on our part was, like you said, pride and arrogance and completely unsolicited advice for us and it caused a fracture in those relationships and so I had to go back and make apologies to people for essentially putting my nose in somebody else's business where it didn't belong and so I do have one more question for you and that's you know now that you guys have been debt free what are you doing now to build wealth for yourselves going forward great question and it's Still a work in progress. So we are, of course, doing all the things that all the financial gurus say to do. So we are maxing out our 401k and our IRA, and um, we still have a strong interest in real estate, although now we will definitely look at it from a different perspective of just like the regular 30-year mortgage. And so that we're actually saving up for our next property right now. And the main thing that is going to be different going forward is what I interestingly did not expect was that so many people 
reached out to me that I thought were super successful, the typical doctors and lawyers and financial advisors and stuff that you think that are very like wealthy on the outside who are coming to me and asking for help. And so I actually um, have started to build a business around teaching other people how to get out of debt. So I'm really excited for that. That is going to be my gig for the next year. And uh, I have this thing I call, it's like my million dollar mission where I want to now eliminate a million dollars of debt from other people's lives by you know, sharing my story through podcasts at, like yours and workshops and stuff like that and asking people to report back how much they paid off. And the last time I checked it, we were at $400,000 of other people's debt that they paid off. So I'm working diligently to get to that million dollar mark. Wow, that's so exciting. So are there any books on money or entrepreneurship that you found to be helpful as you've navigated paying off debt and getting started investing? And now again, being an entrepreneur, what are some of those resources that you've leaned on to help you grow in that knowledge and wisdom going forward? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, to be honest, um, entrepreneurial wise has been trial and error. (laughs) It's been me just trying something and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't, it's like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. But one of my favorite, my my favorite books, and I'm actually planning to reread it again, is um, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read it actually way before The Debt-Free Journey. But what I love about that book, and this is kind of what I teach that's a little bit different from what I see other financial people talk about, is really understanding the value of your time and figuring out a way to stop trading time for money because you can always make more money. And I don't have that scarcity kind of mindset around money anymore. I always feel like, you know, there's always an opportunity to make more of it, but I can't get back time that I wasted, right? So I love that book because it taught me how to be really efficient with my time, both professionally and personally. Yeah, I like it. That's such a great book. And I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes for you guys that are interested in learning more about that. And so my final question to you is, I'm sure that there's somebody listening who maybe is in that spot where you were, where they've just found their debt for the first time and they feel completely overwhelmed and they're crying on the floor and maybe they don't know where to start or maybe they even see their numbers and they hear this podcast and they think, well, there's no way I can accomplish that. So what would you say to that person to to get them motivated and to get them going in the right direction if they came to you and asked for advice? Yeah, I actually talk about it in some of the things that I do. The first thing that I tell people and kind of going back to what we talked about earlier is just to create a new mindset around money. If you continually tell yourself that this is not possible and it's not feasible and there's no way to get out of it, then yeah, that will manifest to be true for sure. And so when I tell people to create a new mindset, I simply tell people to do what I did in the sense of just educating yourself and surrounding yourself with information and people that will help you on this journey and that believe that it's possible. So um, funny enough, when I go do like speaking engagements, and that is one of the most common things that I hear from people. It's like, oh, everyone else has debt. Like it's not a big deal. Or I have so much that there's no way I can even get out of it. I like to tell people that's exactly how I felt, but it required me having to hear uh, many other people's stories. I'm not I'm actually not unique in the sense that there's a lot of other people like you and so many inspiring stories out there. So seek those out and fill your space with more of those stories versus stories that want to confirm that it's not possible. And I think once you start thinking that it's possible and seeing that other people actually did it, then it becomes a lot easier. Great answer, Bernadette. I want to give you this opportunity to share with people who are listening to this interview where they can find you and follow along on your journey. Sure. Um, so I'm Bernadette Joy. So if you search Bernadette Joy on Google, hopefully I will come up. But my website is crushyourmoneygoals.com. 
And the whole idea behind that is the crush, C-R-U-S-H, are the steps that you can take to crush any money goal, but particularly debt. Awesome. Well, yeah, I will definitely be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. And again, thank you so much, Bernadette, for stopping by the neighborhood today and sharing your story of paying off $300,000 worth of debt in just three years. Before I give you my thoughts on this episode, let me give a quick shout out to our show sponsor, Everyday Life. Be sure to check them out at elifelabs.com slash winning to wealth for your life insurance needs. Now, in regards to this episode, I want to share something that I tell people often. And that's this. Insecurity is expensive. And the reason I say that is because insecurity oftentimes leads us into debt because we feel like if we just get the newer car, the better clothes or travel to the better spots, we'll get the reaction from other people that will fulfill us. And in Bernadette's case, her insecurity and fear of looking like a loser to her friends and family when they would ask her like what's next in her career led her to take out over $70,000 worth of student loan debt. Now, I know this is much easier said than done, but it's so important to just be content with where you are and what you have and what you have going on. Now, Bernadette did kind of mention that she got to this place of contentment while she was taking these odd jobs and paying off her debt. By the time she reached that place, she no longer cared about what people thought because she had developed this contentment in the season that she was in. Which brings me to my second point. You need to have direction for your life. I often say clarity of purpose creates clarity of priorities. I'll say it again. Clarity of purpose creates clarity of priorities. Bernadette didn't really have a clear purpose early on. This led her to a six-figure job that most of us look at and go, whoa, I wish I had that. But this this contentment led her to the six-figure job that she hated going to. And so she left that job to go back to school for a almost six-figure MBA. And she ultimately didn't need the MBA because now she's an entrepreneur. And as she said, she could have learned entrepreneurship in a myriad of other ways. Now, that is some expensive self-discovery. But see, here's the other thing. And I touched on it a little bit ago. While Bernadette was paying off her debt so she could now build wealth, Bernadette took odd jobs that probably would have embarrassed her had she not had that greater purpose. So now, because she developed this contentment in that season of paying off her debt, she gets to use this story to help other people pay off $1 million in debt. You see, when we walk in our purpose, the small daily decisions about what's next and what we want to do, they just kind of make themselves. And that leads to these big, great accomplishments. But it all starts with having a clear purpose and being content where we are. The last thing I want to mention is the importance of relationships. Now, as you go on your journey to build wealth, everyone won't understand why you're making the choices you're making. What you have to realize is that's totally okay. But as Bernadette mentioned, you don't have to be arrogant about what you're doing to the point it negatively impacts important relationships because there are more important things in this world than money and the people you love. Well, I mean, that's one of them maintain the solid relationships. Now, I'm not saying to let people disrespect you and walk all over you, but remember, everyone has their own journey and you don't need to throw it in their face all the time that you're making this awesome progress paying off debt and they should be doing certain things because you're doing certain things and all that kind of stuff. There's really no place for that. As I say all the time, personal finance is personal. Finally, 
I want you guys to check out Bernadette's website. She's over at crushyourmoneygoals.com. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes uh, along with the books and resources she mentioned. You can find all of that at winningtowealth.com slash episode three. That's winningtowealth.com slash episode three. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to be a part of our neighborhood, which is our private community where we celebrate our money wins, we talk about all the different questions we have and different strategies and things like that in a place where there's no judgment, there's no condemnation for your decisions. Uh, You don't have to worry about your family looking at you all crazy. Join the neighborhood. It's over at winningtowealth.com slash neighbors. Again, that's winningtowealth.com slash neighbors. I would love to have you. I mean, you can just hop in there again, share your money with you paid off a, a credit card. Great. Put it in there. You met a savings goal. Great. Let us know about it. If you're struggling with something and you need help, ask the question, get your question asked. That's why we built this community for people to have the freedom to talk about money openly and honestly. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. And not only that, but give us five whole stars out here. This is so that other people who need the financial hope and inspiration that you're getting every week can get it and they can get it right here. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'll see you guys back in the neighborhood soon.